conversations with GIPR, which is the stock symbol for generation income properties, came about because there are plenty of resources about REITs, net lease properties, and tangential information from people pontificating about the growing industry. But it all started to blur together and there was little differentiation between the various topics that were being publicly covered by anyone with an internet connection. We haven't seen any podcasts that are hosted by a public net lease REIT that will expose the listener to various concepts that are topical, behind the scenes, and maybe, just maybe, interesting enough to listen to for 30 minutes. So go wash those dishes, go for your run, or if you're watching by video, get the popcorn, or if you're like me, deep condition your hair, all while listening to Conversations with GIPR. David Sobelman is the CEO for Generation Income Properties. All opinions expressed by David or any guest of Conversations with GIPR are solely opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the company. Any remarks in this podcast, other than purely historical information, may include forward-looking statements and as such are subject to the risks and uncertainties that are discussed in our SEC filings, and actual results may vary materially from those suggested in any forward-looking statements. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Welcome to Conversations with GIPR. Uh, Today, I'm here with PJ Kuzmano, Executive Vice President of the Eastern Region of Valuations for Colliers. And what I didn't say is you have a lot of fancy letters behind your name also. Uh, I do. I do. I've got uh, MAI. Uh, which uh, kind of stands for member of the Appraisal Institute. Okay. Uh, and then MRIX, which is a kind of a European valuation platform. So it's a, a Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors huh. uh, designation. Do so I need to call you Sir PJ? You, you do not. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, PJ, first of all, tell us what, what PJ stands for. Uh, it's uh, Philip Joseph. Good, good Roman Catholic name. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone called you Philip Joseph? In the last 30 years? Only teachers and maybe somebody <laughs> at like the DMV or something. Um, it's funny you ask because um, essentially every male in my family is named Philip in some derivation. Uh-huh. So I think early on they said, all right, we, we got to call him PJ or we'll never be able to tell who we're talking about. So <laughs> that's kind of how that came about. That's great. Okay. Um, so we stated your title as valuations. Um, but we're really talking about appraisals and appraisers. Correct. Yep. That's what we do. Okay. And I think it's probably better for us to start on how we know each other. Uh, So we're a public company. We like being transparent. Um, And so let's disclose to the market our relationship. Yeah. So uh, Dave and I got to know each other. I don't know what it's been, 20 20 or so years. Right. I went to high school with with Dave's wife, and uh, that's kind of how we got to know each other. Uh, eventually, he asked me if I knew anybody that was looking uh, for a job, and I said, well, my sister's in town, and I think she's looking, and, and the rest is history. She's been with him for a long, long time. So, That's right. Emily Kuzmano, who started as a low-level admin, is now our chief of staff yep. of our company. And I do remember this email exchange where you sent me an email and you said, my sister's looking for a job. 
I don't know what her skills are, but she's a hard worker. <laughs> well, I think you you know that that's true at this yeah. point, right? Yeah, she yeah. is clearly. I still don't know what her skills are, but I, know, <laughs> I, do, I do know she's a hard worker. Right. One of my closest confidants. I've been together forever. We're kind of stuck with each other at this point. And I'm, I'm glad that you responded to that email. I think she would probably say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's enjoyed the ride. That's and, great. And the group. Um, so our intent here is to learn about you, learn about what you do, uh, but also to talk about valuations in today's market. So let's timestamp where we are now. So it's August of 2023. And, you know, I don't like to get into politics or I don't like to get into like major news stories that are somewhat topical. Um, I'm really interested in hearing your uh, kind of sense of today's market. Uh, before we do that, we're going to be very invasive on you. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so you went to this school called Florida State I did. University. I did. The Florida State University in <laughs> Tallahassee, Florida. That's correct. That's right. And you studied real estate there, right? I did. Uh, yeah. So was, you knew. Yeah. Well, you know, I knew uh, probably about midway through my junior year. I took a intro to real estate course from a guy named John Lewis who... Um, was just a kind of a real charismatic guy and uh, had built a nice fortune, had 50 or so quick lubes that he had wow. developed. Uh -huh. And I said, seems like a pretty cool career. <laughs> I want to be like that guy. Right. And uh, that's kind of when I decided. And so I was a double major in real estate and, and marketing up there. But you had, it wasn't the first time you heard the words real estate. No, right. no, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> you know, my family's always kind of owned some real estate, uh -huh. not anything uh, large, but uh, had accumulated a decent amount of residential properties. And, and my dad's been a, a residential real estate appraiser for probably 40 years. So and is active. Still active, kind yep. of sunsetting to some degree, yeah. but still, still active. Uh, but I remember Gra going gracefully, right? <laughs> gracefully sunsetting. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he, he's super graceful. He'll tell you that. Um, but I do remember going out on inspections with him as a kid and measuring homes and you know uh, doing that sort of thing. And, yeah. Uh, you know that gave me the itch a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you got to college and you're like, okay, I, you hear this person speaking about their quick lubes. But it wasn't completely foreign to you. You had some background in it already, and this that class really just exacerbated that. Yeah, that's right. that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, yeah. so so how many degrees do you have from there? I, I was a double major in real estate and marketing. Oof. Yeah, you're one of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't necessarily think the marketing degree has done me a whole heck of a lot of good, but uh, it did get me an extra football season in Tallahassee, which uh, at the time was really important to me. So With, that was the early 90s. Yeah, that Early was to uh, mid 91 through 95. Uh, was that was, when you were going undefeated? Yeah, it was a pretty good run for, for the Knolls. <laughs> I think we lost one home game the whole time I was there. So it was, it was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so you graduated in 95. And what happens then? Uh, I had a job offer in Tallahassee, uh, actually with a real estate appraisal firm up there. Um, the starting salary was a little low for my taste. Uh you, you, now you got to say anybody it young that's listening to this conversation <laughs> will, will laugh at this. But well, the salary offer was 18,000 a year, yeah, that's uh, good. which, you know, in a college town would have done me some good for a couple of years. Yeah. But they wanted a commitment and I decided I didn't want to do that. So I came home, 
Uh, I was born and raised here in Tampa, so came home to Tampa uh -huh. and, um, you know, started looking around a little bit. And um, just like everything else in life, uh, relationships are really, really important. Mm -hmm. And my first job was from my uh, my old Little League baseball coach from when I was 15. Is that right? Yeah, he happened to be a, a MAI appraiser as well uh -huh. and, and hired me right out of school. So I went to work for him. That's shocking. So um, people listening and people who work at Generation Income Properties are so sick of hearing me say this, but we one of our core values is relationships, being relational. And so you said it without me coaxing you <laughs> at all. That's I always good. I'd never, I never set you up on that, right? No, you did not. Um, and so how valuable that is, even from your teen years. So here you are, was that seven or eight years later? Yep. And all of a sudden you have some education behind you. You have this credibility of being a good person even in those teen years and, and someone says, I'm going to take a chance on you. Yeah, that's, that's basically, uh, exactly what happened. Uh, uh, the guy's name was Randy Sheets. He had coached me when I was 15. Um, I used to be a fairly good baseball player back then. Um, you know, when, knew, when you had some shoulder flexibility, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. um, right. you know, he knew I was a good kid back then. And yeah. I, I guess I presented well when I went to talk to him and, uh, ended up going to work for him for a little bit. So what were some of your first assignments? How do you start as an appraiser right out of college? Well, um, I think it's kind of, uh, across the board where you end up with maybe the, uh, least attractive property that, uh, the company gets engaged on ends up on your desk. So, um, what did that translate to then? I'm trying to remember what the first one I did was, but there were a lot. Like a garbage of, dump somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of very small kind of uh, crappy <laughs> real estate back in the day. Right. Um, and there was just a lot of spinning my wheels trying to figure out how to value them, not knowing a whole heck of a lot. And uh -huh. that's really, you know, when you get out of school, you just you just don't know much. But you're excited nonetheless. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You're, you're like, I want all of your crappy properties. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember totally getting frustrated uh, when I would work on something for two or three days and, and my boss would tell me, uh, you did everything wrong. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so um, that still happens with some of my younger folks today, yeah. but um, it's part of the learning process and uh, helps you make quick decisions. Are you still in touch with him today? Uh, peripherally. I mean, yeah. we don't, we don't stay in touch all the time. Right. Uh, there was three other guys that were there at the time mm -hmm. and we all, um, keep in touch to some degree. Okay. Two of them are, are clients now. Right. Yeah. Wow. So how long would you say that you were an entry level appraiser? I, I think, uh, most appraisers still don't know much for, for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say up until probably two years into it. Okay. Yeah. And you stayed with him? No, I was with him for about 10 months. Uh, it was at, this was in 1996, mm -hmm. uh, market slowed down a little bit. They were a smaller firm. They couldn't uh, feed me enough. I was mm -hmm. on commission. Mm -hmm. uh, they wanted to do right by me. So mm -hmm. they recommended me to another firm and wow. then I went to go work for another firm. Wow. That's yeah. great. Yeah. sounds like you're being secretive about that other firm. No, no, <laughs> no. It was actually a very large firm at the time. I think uh -huh. it was the largest firm in Florida. Wow. Uh, it sounds like a law, law firm. Hardu uh -huh. uh, Hyde, Church, Smith & Waller was what it was called. Uh, and uh, I ended up with being with them or 
or uh, another iteration of that company for about 19 years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Unheard of. Yeah, about 19 years. Especially for younger people. Yeah. To stay anywhere for that period of time. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely different. Um, I don't think I have anybody on my team now that's been with us for 19 years uh -huh. uh, or anywhere close to that. But right. um, I think it was a little more common back at that time sure. than it is now. You go for the gold watch. You're like, okay. Never got the gold watch. <laughs> right. yeah. Never got the gold watch. Thank you for your service. Yes. Here's a gold watch. Yeah. No, no, never got it. Never got it. <laughs> then you gracefully sunset. Right. <laughs> like my dad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So what do you think has changed between then and 19 years after then? Um, in the business or how do you mean? In the business. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to really date myself here, but when I started, uh, we were still using 35 millimeter cameras. We were still, uh, you know, typing in a word processing program. <laughs> we were still making our own maps. Wow. Uh, things like that. Uh -huh. I would say the technology has really changed our industry over right. the last 20 years or so. Uh, but so you, you had the internet. Barely. Barely had, barely the, internet. had the internet. Electronic mail. Uh, we, 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 we started to get electronic mail in my second year. Is that right? Oh yeah. I did not have it at my first farm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're like, this is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I want to go back to that. But... Right. Right. <laughs> have people contact you less. Yes. Right. Exactly. exactly. Not on the weekends. So technology for sure. I think real estate overall. Um, was kind of like the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, for technology. You know, there was maps in particular. Uh, I remember the before Google Maps, they there was a company that came up with Google Maps that Google ended up buying, and that was in the late '90s. And it was like groundbreaking that you could look at, you know, some satellite image from anywhere in the world. And then Google's like, I'm going to own that. Yeah. And then now all you know now is yeah. Google Maps. Do you find like it makes you lazier? <laughs> it doesn't make me lazier. It might make some of our team now. I don't, I don't think it makes us lazier. It just right. makes some uh, have to approach things a little differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think in a lot of ways it makes them better uh, because they can um, – do kind of a more comprehensive look at things mm -hmm. uh, than what we used to have in our mapping, which mm -hmm. were, you know, flat linear maps. Uh, now they can do 360 views, mm -hmm. all kinds of different stuff like that. I think mm -hmm. it does in some ways make them better. Was it Columbus that thought the world was flat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to disparage one of my fellow Italians, Dave. <laughs> Amerigo Vespucci, right? <laughs> Did he think that? <laughs> I, I, he, he may have. He may have. <laughs> All right, good. So um, a lot of times when we're looking at a property, we say like, okay, who's the tenant? What's, what's the address? We look at it online. We can say yes or no pretty quickly. Talk through like how a, an appraiser would get that similar information and then what's their process after that? Well, I think our process is a little different from yours because you're looking for certain attributes in a property that might make you want to buy it. Mm -hmm. We get an assignment and we can't choose whether we want to, to appraise it or not. That's the assignment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're 
uh, at Maine and Maine, and it's a, an A-plus property, and, and that makes it pretty easy. Mm-hmm. The tougher assignments are often the, the smaller assets, uh, rural, uh, in a market you've never worked in before. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that makes things pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like every other uh, part of the appraisal business, excuse me, the real estate business, uh, data is super important. So if we don't have data in a certain market or with a certain food group, makes things really, really tough on us. So what do you do about that? Because everyone is counting on the appraisal, right? Because I would say the vast majority of the properties that we know about, there's some sort of debt function in this. And so the lender's requiring uh, an appraisal. And on top of that, like, I don't know who the appraiser is when the bank says, here's the pricing of the appraisals. They give us, I think, three options typically. Blind options. This is how much it costs, and this is the time frame in which you will get your appraisals. Like, if you bid on that, I wouldn't know it's you. Yeah. You, how, why is that? Well, they're just trying to keep a, a safeguard between the the borrower and the appraiser, so there's no collusion there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that came out of like fraud, didn't it? Like, I believe history so. Of fraud, I'm trying right? to remember exactly when they put those mm-hmm. processes in place. It may have come out of kind of the the. Uh, RTC era mm-hmm. uh, when Firea came to be, mm-hmm. um, but that's just kind of how it is now. It's mm-hmm. a lot of blind blind bidding, right? Yeah. So you get the assignment. Let's say that we end up hiring you, and we realize that it's you after the fact. Um, and and so, what sort of information are you typically looking for? You know, let's say we give you a portfolio of net lease properties. Sure. Well, we would want uh, essentially three years of financial statements along with... Uh, Property level. Correct. Right. Yeah. Uh, along with, um, you know, any site-specific information like surveys, site plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would want copies of the leases so that we can verify that what you're telling us is correct about, about those lease agreements, uh, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. We typically have a laundry list of due diligence that we ask for. Mm-hmm. Um we don't always get all of it. In fact, we probably 99% of the time don't get all of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then we have to make some assumptions within mm-hmm. our appraisal that, um, you know, we're relying on this or that and we're going to move forward. So I'm going to ask you a tough question. Can I, can I ask you a tough question? Yeah. Shoot. Okay. All right. Good. I'm, I was always told to like start the tough question with asking permission because <laughs> it kind of like lets your guard down a little yeah. bit. All I right. wish my family would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, noted if you're listening to this, Emily. <laughs> um, Children. <laughs> um, why do you appraisers need to know the contract price of a property? Well, it's a USPAP requirement that we have to analyze any uh, listing or current contract that the property I don't, has. I don't know what that is. I've been Good. in real estate for 20 years. I've never heard that before. So USPAP is another right. uh, kind of word salad there. Uniform Standards of Professional Appraisal Practice. So okay. they're basically the standards that we have to abide by mm-hmm. uh, as appraisers. Mm-hmm. And if we, um, if we don't, we, you know, we can go to appraiser jail. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's one of the requirements that mm-hmm. we have to analyze and uh, look at any current contract or sale price. So as as well as any sale or listing within the previous three years. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get into that. I have more on this though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the biggest 
topics of discussion amongst investors, of which we are one of the millions, um, I've never heard of it's a requirement uh, to get a contract price or a sale price on, on a property from an appraiser ever. I would just say I was always given the impression that the appraiser wanted guidance on where the appraisal should end, end up. Sorry. And now you're telling me the exact opposite almost. Yeah, I would say that's that's wrong. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We we do not want guidance from from anyone mm-hmm. uh, as far as what they think it's worth. Mm-hmm. And um, with regard to a contract, that's kind of what you think it's worth. Right. Because that's what you're going to be paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we do consider the contract price, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's arm's length. Mm-hmm. There's been a meeting of the minds between two market participants that aren't related. Uh, a lot of times that is what it is worth, mm-hmm. but it's not always. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're required to analyze it. Um, we typically have a, a whole full paragraph discussion in most of our appraisals about uh, the current contract mm. where we state we think this is at market or we think this is below or above market. Mm-hmm. And this is why. Mm-hmm. And what if there's no contract? So if someone owns a property, they're like, we need to know what the value of this property is. I'm going to hire an appraiser. Happens all the time. It does. Yeah. Especially in refinance situations. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of estate work. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a myriad of, of occurrences where we could uh, value a property without a contract Mm -hmm. in place. Um, You know, at that point you, you don't have any sort of, um, you know, data point to go on as far as a contract, but you know, you look back, maybe see what it sold for previously or uh, what other things are listed for in the area, or Mm -hmm. obviously comps are super important. Mm -hmm. Um, So we would, we would look at all the, all those to Mm -hmm. try to determine what the value would be. So we focus on net lease properties. You've probably appraised or your company has appraised, I don't know, millions. (laughs) Literally. That's probably accurate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and not watching it on video, you can see that PJ didn't even smile when he said that. Like it's, <laughs> it's like a real number, right? <laughs> um, I, and, I would have to do the math, Dave, right? <laughs> but you know, it, it's a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so tremendous amount of experience with net lease properties. The argument with net lease properties is that a lot of the value is derived from the income that is attached to that property by the terms of the lease. And the terms of the lease is a very dynamic document, right? It's, um, you know, sometimes 50 or hundred pages long, you know, who's responsible for what, uh, credit worthiness of the tenant, how much the rent is, how much the rent will be and so on. And, and that's very different than saying, okay, here's a vacant building and, how do you correlate the two and, and get like an accurate number? Yeah, it's, it can be tough at times. Uh, in a lot of ways, the net lease properties that you're talking about are, are much easier for us to value. There, again, are more data points out there, mm-hmm. uh, more sales. There's a lot of investors that like that sort of asset. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just more information. Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side of that is what you were talking about, a vacant, maybe previously owner-occupied property. We're going to have a tougher time finding data on something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think in those situations, having local expertise is, is really important because those sorts of assets can change value block to block, mm-hmm. street to street, mile to mile. 
Um, so we like to have boots on the ground in a market if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, in Florida, we have about 45 valuation professionals and they're in Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, Sarasota, mm-hmm. South Florida, and the Panhandle. So mm-hmm. we've kind of got most of the state covered and mm-hmm. we try to replicate that nationally so that when we do have situations like that, we really have somebody that knows that market or the that sub market. Absolutely. The, yeah. Cause yeah. it's, we are in a very nuanced industry. Yeah. You, you know that, I mean, we live in South Tampa, which is a, a really uh, unique market. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up there. We've got a couple of appraisers that live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you come from out of the area to value something in, in South Tampa, uh, and that's just an example, but you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna miss it. That's right. I, I vividly remember, um, I had a mortgage on my house. This, I know it's not the same thing we're talking about. I had a mortgage on my house during the GFC great financial crisis and the lender who I forget who that even was right now. They were like a thorn in my side at that, <laughs> that, that period of my life. I forget who it, who it is, but they were sending out appraisers like every six months or so to reappraise the value to see if they needed to adjust the loan on my property. And, you know, I'm in real estate. I like being kind to people. And so the first one I was like, Hey, welcome, you know, take a look around and so on. And, and I got like a, a value that was slightly lower what we paid for, you know, several years earlier. I was like, Oh, that's okay. You know, our loans totally protected. Second time comes the, the value of the house is going lower and lower and lower. You know, third time around, it's like really low. And I get the letter from the lender saying like, you need to pay off a chunk of your loan today (laughs) 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 or you're in default. (laughs) And I learned that the appraiser was like from a different city in in our market, right? That happens pretty frequently in the residential world. Yeah. Uh, You know, they, the way their bid process works, a mm-hmm. lot of times um, it goes to, you mentioned three earlier on the commercial side, right. it can go to 50 or 100 and somebody's could come in from Orlando to do That's something right. in Tampa. And mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. Uh, to your point and to my story earlier, they're probably going to miss the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's define the word comp. Mm-hmm. All right. Comp stands for? Comparable. Comparable. Right. Yeah. And and explain how many times a day you say the word comp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even want to put a number on it. But it's a lot. It's a lot. Right? Um, like I always say, my entire pathetic existence <laughs> is focused on net lease properties, yeah. right? And for you, it's comps. Yeah, comps are, are pretty important. <laughs> comps of all types, really. And we've right. got sales comps, at least comps, and, uh, expense comps. And, uh, you know, they never seem to stop. But um you know, it's essentially a, a transaction that's occurred that is a data point for us mm-hmm. um, that we think could be or is comparable to the property that we're valuing. Mm-hmm. So we're going to consider it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we we nail it right off the bat and five, find five really good ones uh, within a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times we have to go um, all over the southeast for something. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to press on this point because I think this is a big discussion point, especially in today's market, where um, comps are in the past. You know, they could be yesterday that we closed on that property yesterday. Does that mean it's the same value today 
or sometimes your comps are a year ago or two years ago, maybe three years ago in some instances. I'm, I'm guessing on that part, but I know I've seen comps within two years. And, and so it's like a history lesson of the value of that property. Is the perception that I'm finishing my sentence, it's not a new question. <laughs> <laughs> a history lesson of the value of the property is the perception of what some kind of lay people from the appraisal world, of which I'm a part of, um, struggle with. And I always say, I think the appraiser has a very challenging job because all of their information is from the past and it's not the dynamics of the deal today, which is how I think, but you're not allowed to think that way. You need to just quantify the value with actual transactions. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're right in some instances and, and maybe not right in others. Mm -hmm. um, I love being challenged. I would say yeah. <laughs> uh, it depends on a couple different factors. Um, depends on the market for mm -hmm. one thing. Uh, if it's a high transactional volume market, which we were in, I would say 18 months, two sure. years ago. Sure. Um, it's much, much easier. Mm -hmm. We were going to have um, comps that closed within the last three to six months, mm -hmm. um, even sometimes current contracts that are about to close mm -hmm. or that are pending or whatever. Mm -hmm. In those situations, it, it makes things a lot easier. Mm -hmm. If it's a low transactional market, which I think is what you're getting at, um, and just not much is going on, which is kind of the market that we're in now, mm -hmm. it becomes a lot more challenging. Mm -hmm. um, most of our lending clients allow us to use comps within the last three years as kind of their, their market standard. Mm -hmm. We try to be a lot uh, more recent than that if we can. Mm -hmm. um, and if we have dated comparables, which are two years old, say, mm -hmm. we try to explain things. This is what's happened since uh, two years ago, this is why values may have gone up or down. This is what's uh, what's happening with this food group, uh, things like that, to try to explain and, and justify our value conclusion. So are you correlating market dynamics at a certain period with a valuation of that same period and translating the same things to today? We do. We, yeah. uh, we have an adjustment in all our grids that accounts for date of sale uh, and essentially what's happened since that date of sale. So mm -hmm. there is an adjustment process that goes on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm asking you another tough question. Sure. Okay. I wanted... I've, I've been deposed before, Dave. I can take <laughs> your questions. <laughs> right. Oh, good. You're on the record. <laughs> um, I would like your honest opinion or as honest as you feel like you can be, opinion on the valuation of net lease properties. Okay. Um, be specific. Like, do you want me to talk about uh, how we approach them or so what I'll, makes them easy or difficult? Or? No, let, let me steer the question okay. a little bit more. Um, using your same period of 18 months or so, uh, prior 18 months or so, ago, sorry, um, cap rates went to what I believe to be historical lows, at least in our careers, yeah, right? I think Tw that's correct. 20 years or so, um, one data guide to another. And, and so you're valuing a property in a snapshot of time. Mm -hmm. And so that's the value at that particular time. So if you're seeing very low return, low cap rate, capitalization rate, transactions, justifiable during that period of time, 
what is your perception of the market during those very expensive property periods? Ex perception of the net lease market to be specific. I, I mean, in general, I think net leased assets in those markets are, are very attractive to a lot of investors. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, that's kind of part of your whole model, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys love them. Um, I think people perceive them as as low risk investments, especially mm -hmm. if they have a credit tenant tied to the to the asset. And so if someone's coming to you and saying, you know, here's a 4% return, 4% cap rate on a property. And your data, your comps are showing, yeah, that's right. That's a 4% property. Do you have a personal response to if that's a good investment or not? No, no, no. We, what we try to do is reflect what market participants are doing. Mm -hmm. So if people, investors are uh, choosing to invest at that rate, mm -hmm. we want to reflect that in our appraisals. Mm -hmm. I was told pretty early on in my career <laughs> that you're just as wrong if you're too low as you as you are if you're too high uh -huh. in an appraisal. Right. So uh, we try not to bring any of that sort of bias mm -hmm. or personal kind of gut feelings into yeah. into the process. You are literally the Switzerland of real estate. <laughs> we're trying. To be, we're trying to be. Yeah, yeah. we're trying to because be. every other. Uh, service provider in my entire existence will have an emphatic opinion on that question. And you have the most vanilla answer that I've ever heard. Pretty vanilla. Right. <laughs> I, think, I think I've got to be, you know, I mean, right. that's, that's kind of our job. Because a lot of people blame the appraiser. And, we, you know, we, and I'm saying we take that, a lot of heat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're like the appraiser messed up. The yeah. appraiser was wrong. They didn't give me the yeah. number I wanted. They didn't give. They didn't take X, Y, and Z into account. How, how do you deal with those questions? I will. I'll, I'll back up one step and say yeah. our toughest job a lot of the times is when we're in a rapidly changing market, whether mm -hmm. that's up or down, and mm -hmm. there's no new data to to lean on. Mm -hmm. So sometimes values are increasing at such a rapid rate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe the deal that we're working on is on the, the cutting edge of where it's going mm -hmm. really can be hard to justify without some some good data. Mm -hmm. um, in those situations, we may expand our search criteria. Mm -hmm. We may expand geographically, mm -hmm. uh, go to a market that's maybe already experienced that rapid run up or mm -hmm. or check down mm -hmm. um, and use that data as a as a data point. Um, are you guys busy now? We're not as busy as we want to be, right. um, you know, 2020, 2021 and about halfway through 2022, we're all record years mm -hmm. for most appraisers. Mm -hmm. uh, it's slowed down significantly since then. Mm -hmm. uh, some of that has been good for us. Right. Um, our people, I think, were a little burned out. Uh, right. They were working very, very hard. Um, we were doing, uh, you know, more appraisals than we've ever done. People were working on weekends. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a tough slog for, for a lot of our folks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we had a, a long enough break now from, from the work we're, mm -hmm. we're ready to get back to it, mm -hmm. but, um, it's you know, the, the market, <laughs> the, yeah, we need the market to come back some. Right. Yeah. And so what do you talk about internally on that kind of decrease in transaction volume? As far as uh, how our valuations work or how that affects our people or both, yeah, both. Um, you know, we, we have, um, you know, discussions about how to approach 
uh, certain valuations, uh, property specific, different food groups, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we have national discussions about that. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as our people go, um, you know, we're trying to do our best to to keep everybody at a kind of at a pace or at a level that, um, you know, keeps them happy. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, you know, honestly been tough the last probably 12 months to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we're, we're still working through that sort of thing. Right. Um, all right. I have to ask you some advice. Uh -oh. okay. So what would you, so you're very senior at your company now. You've done thousands of appraisals in your personal career. Now you're managing a lot of other people um, who are subsequently doing thousands of appraisals. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you tell PJ when he was starting his career 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago? Um, so I do mentor a lot of college kids that mm -hmm. are coming out specifically out of um, some of the state schools here that are in the real estate program. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of the most important things that I tell them are start start networking while you're in school. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's very, very important. I look back on my career and realize I really didn't mm -hmm. until I was probably about 30. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that held me back for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, network while you're in school, network when you get out. Uh, develop those relationships. Mm -hmm. All those people will become clients mm -hmm. at some point mm -hmm. or uh, partners or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, that's really, really important. Um, another thing that I, that I tell some young folks, which they typically don't like to hear is, uh, we like folks that write really well. Um, <laughs> right. It's kind right. of a it's kind of a tough topic that uh, no, because uh, you know grammar. we're in the, we're, we're in the text generation and right. and listen I'm I'm in it too. I, obviously, I text all the time as well, but uh, you have to be able to communicate via the written word really well in our business. Um, so I think it's super important. Um, right. And I tell uh, you know young folks that all the time and uh, don't always get a great response, but. Um, some of them take it to heart, and, and I think those are the ones that'll do really well. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, I'm just envisioning like all the all the um, abbreviations that they would normally use yes. like, in your in a professional legal document. Or you know? yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I do get those from time to time in an email. Um, uh, those will typically go to the bottom of the stack. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I always say like. Well, I have two things. I always say like when someone like emails me to try to set up a meeting time with me and I don't know who they are, I don't really pay that much attention to it. Right. If, if I'm really good friends with them, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, a relationship established. Um, but if someone's I, like, I, I'm interested in learning about your business because I'm in school or I'm new to the industry and I'm like, no. You yeah. got to call me yeah. You know, yeah. with your voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear you speak. Yes. Yeah. You talked about networking before. And I don't know if you remember our period of time. Was it in 08 and 09? Do you remember this when we were having lunch with each other? Yeah. Because we weren't doing anything else. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, I do. And we had a pretty good group of uh, right. guys that we were doing lunch with. And I think they've all done really, really well since then. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, it was beneficial in that regard. And, um, you know, I still keep in touch uh, with two or three of them yeah. pretty regularly. A lot of them 
we're low level, entry level sort of people, yeah. us kind of included, mm-hmm. you know, we're lower level then. And, and now everyone's kind of big time, except for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're the biggest, time, You're the biggest time. Um, yeah, it's really interesting to follow. I've thought right. about that over the years, how well everybody from that group has done. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple other groups over the years, kind of like that. And it's kind of been the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. really interesting to follow the, the career arc of, of folks that you kind of came up in the business. That's with. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, are you ready for some speed round questions? Uh, um, sure. Yeah. Go, okay. Go shoot. Uh, what's your favorite book? Um, my favorite book is the Lords of discipline by Pat Conroy. Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. It's, it's probably by far my favorite book. Okay. And, um, yeah, I read it probably 30 years ago and have read it subsequently a few times yeah. and, uh, turned me on to all his other books. Am I ruining your speed? No, round no, no. Here? Okay. Um, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like medium speed round. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what was your first job? My first job was working at the Christmas tree lot at Plant High School. Nice. Uh, you know, uh, putting Christmas trees on people's cars at, at Christmas time. Um, did you make more than eighteen thousand dollars? Pro, I, I did not. <laughs> right. uh, I made decent money for <laughs> right. the time, right. <laughs> but uh, you came home with sap all over you, which right. is really difficult to get off. So uh, right. I wouldn't say I have fond memories of that job, but not not bad either. That's great. Uh, introvert or extrovert? I probably would be called an extrovert, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You like yeah. talking? I do. <laughs> I do. I like talking. I like getting together with people. I like relationships. Yeah. Um, does Jill mind that? Jill's PJ's wife. She's, uh, <laughs> she's probably a little bit of the flip side of that. Um, you know, we had dinner last night with uh, a friend who was having a 50th birthday party. Uh-huh. And uh, I had to remind her that she knew what she was getting into when she married me and when we started dating. So uh, I have a tendency to say things that uh, maybe she doesn't want me to say out loud. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, and it you, works for us. Just to show you uh, who PJ is, you guys met in high school. High school, yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah, still like 16. She's still like she, I think so. I think so. <laughs> it's a little tougher now that we have an empty nest. But, you know. Uh, would you say you're analytical or creative? Uh, I'm probably more analytical, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What would you say some something someone would say is weird about you? Ooh, that's a tough one. Something weird about me? Uh, I don't know. You might have stumped me on that one, Dave. I don't. I don't know. There's too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't have a good answer there. I'm All sorry. Right, that's okay. Uh, who's a person who inspires you? Uh, my mom. Yeah. Yeah. My mom inspires me. Why is that? Um, you know, she had a tough childhood mm-hmm. and um, my parents divorced when I was uh, young, mm-hmm. five or six. And uh, I lived with her mm-hmm. by myself. Uh, obviously saw my dad um, on weekends mm-hmm. and during the summer, but spent most of the time with my mom. Um, and she just, you know, she took the bus to work every morning mm-hmm. and, uh, worked kind of a crummy job, uh, just to, to kind of, you know, get me across the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've always been, um, very admiring of that yeah. and, and very appreciative. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, if your life were a country song, what would it be titled? Friends in low places, for sure. <laughs> You're going to send this out to all of them? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty funny. Uh, what social media platforms do you admit to using? 
Uh, <laughs> I use Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or X, I guess we're calling it now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and LinkedIn. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Um, what movie would you recommend to someone? What movie? Well, my favorite movies are The Godfather 1 and 2 and, yeah. and Goodfellas. Those are kind of my, oh, my favorite. they're the same movie. Oh, no, <laughs> no, totally different movie. So you're going to laugh at me for talking about this, but have you seen Goodfellas? Yes. In the scene in Tampa? I didn't know that. There's, there's a whole scene in Tampa in, the, in Goodfellas. Oh, what, at the zoo? Correct. Yes, I did see um, that. Yeah, that's right. I am related to some of those people. <laughs> <laughs> through my grandmother <laughs> true story I, I know true story there is a book called the tampa mafia and uh, i've read it cigar yeah. city mafia cigar city sorry yeah. yes yeah. you're right and and you recognize some of the names oh absolutely so <laughs> you know where my sister lives yes uh she lives in my great-grandmother's house and my cousin lives right next door that was my grandmother's house uh-huh. behind them lived silent sam lorenzo <laughs> It's a true story. <laughs> they live right behind him. Right. That really nice great. guy if he liked you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay. Uh, what's another podcast that you listen to? Um, I listen to a lot of true crime stuff. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the genre that I that I like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um and then I listen to a lot of FSU football podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep up to speed with my Knowles. Have you read that book, Mind Hunter? I think it's a show now on Netflix. I have not. I've yeah. seen the show. I've seen the show advertised on Netflix, but I have not watched it. Okay. So the the book, Mind Hunter, is about the FBI's initiation of the behavioral science unit, and it talks. A, it's a lot of true crime on how they would identify the potential su- suspect based on attributes of the crime, and they would have a profile, personality yeah. profile of that person. So based on evidence they found at the crime. So I thought that that would be something that you would yeah, like. Yeah, no, I'd have to give it a shot. Okay. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I like. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I figured. All right, what's one question I haven't asked you that you wish I did? Probably something about my sister, I'm sure. <laughs> you'd really like to know. It's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. we, could, we could talk about that right. for, for hours. Uh, can you repeat the question, Dave? I'd like to hear that again. Um, that's, that's another tough one. You might have stumped yeah. me, but um, it, it would probably have to do something with my sister. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, PJ. Maybe, maybe, I don't mean to yeah. maybe it was w- what the car was that was nicer than the one my dad bought me. Yes, I've heard this uh, yeah. sibling battle. On yeah, that. She, yeah. Won, she won that one. She, she did. Yeah. Now, okay. She was 10 years behind me. So right. <laughs> I guess maybe she, I'm not going to admit she deserved <laughs> it or anything, but <laughs> that's great. PJ Kuzmano, Executive Vice President valuations of Collier's. Thank you so much for being here. It's very enlightening to learn about the process uh, which appraisers uh, work because I don't think a lot of people know that on many different aspects of our industry. And so that was really helpful for us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always nice to get out from behind the desk. (laughs) Many appraisers are stuck there. So thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah.